This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. You know, I was going to move on, and I hope I get to that point today, but I could hear my founding pastor's voice as well as God's voice said, nope, you've been away two weeks. Go back over what you said so, you, so that you can flow. Go back from what you taught and touch on things so you can put them in remembrance. And I guess God knows if you've been studying or not. That's why he said, go back. If everybody in here was studying over what we last preached, we wouldn't have to go back. But you haven't. And those that have, then... You just go along. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, we have taken this series of teachings from this text. And we are moving forward with it. And it's guiding us throughout this series. And in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 13, the scriptures read, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I'm going to hit over some of the things that we talked about, and then I'm going to try to get into the new information, because some of the things that we talked about, I didn't finish, so I'm going to add that on, and we're going to move forward. The intent of this teaching is for us to follow the instructions of God. We've known that from now, and we've known that because God has been ministering that to our heart. The purpose of this teaching is that we will glorify God with our lives. We will remain in his will, and we want to begin to grow and develop and be mature. The goal of this teaching is to reach and hit the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we need to understand that when we hit the mark, the mark is the will of God. We want to be able to hit the will of God. Amen. It right now and in every area and every time of our lives. The, fo- um, the goal of our teaching, oh, I, I've, I've hit that. Now, in these teachings from the time, it's been about, I guess we've been on this series for about two and a half, three months. That's how long we've been on this series. We've looked at how to press from our old life. That was our first. How to press forward from loss. How to press forward when we're disappointed, and then how to press forward when we miss God. And this morning, if we get a chance, we're going to move right into how do we move forward and how do we press toward the mark when we're in a stagnant place. I told you that when we miss God, it is sin. We are not looking at all of the big things that we love to call sin. Those things are sinful. But we can miss God just 
when we just don't do the will of God. Sin is any act that is against the will of God. So you don't have to pick and choose and act like, okay, the sin is adultery, uh, fornication, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, drinking, or being a drunkard. Okay. okay, all of those we know readily that are sin. But let's talk about some of the things that are not so readily sin. Just being out of the will of God is sin. If God has told you something and you did or didn't do it, it is sin. And I told you that sin means to error. And I told you you can error by omission and commission. Either way, by doing something that you shouldn't do or doing something that you want to do and God didn't tell you to do it. You are in sin. I don't care how many names you put on it. I don't care how much you put God's name on it. You are in sin as far as God is concerned. Amen. We also said that we sin when we violate the law of God. We will always miss God when we disobey you will always miss God when you disobey. And when you sin by omission, when you do a sin and say, well, I didn't know, I, didn't, I thought that was all right, I didn't know, it still, it, it, it still doesn't make it right. I didn't mean to, no. God is not judging you by whether you thought it was right or wrong or not. He's judging you by His standard. And God has a standard. We also said that sin means to leave the path of righteousness. And I have seen this time and time again from believers when they leave the path of righteousness. You are in sin. Sin as we more commonly know it is just simply an act of evil. So when I get off the path of righteousness of what God has told me to do or God has shown me what to do, that is an act of evil in the sight of God. Maybe not in the sight of people. Amen. And I want to say, every one of us in here, every one of us in here have sinned. So nobody has to feel like she's talking about me. I am. I'm talking about every one of us in here because everyone in here has sinned. I know you look at different people and you be like, no way, they're sinned. They've sinned. No, they've sinned. And so have you. But now I'm not saying that by uh, trying to give you a reason that, like, it's okay to sin. No, we all just have sin, but we shouldn't be practicing sin. Amen? And then I told you how we respond to sin and how we respond to missing God is essential that we know how to react to it. We have to. All of that has to be in place. Are you with me? I'm just going to touch on a few things. We talked about these already thoroughly, so we're not. I'm trying to get to a place. Then we also said that, well, we looked at David. You all remember we looked at David, and we saw the scene that David in. David, he fooled around, and he took a a man's wife, and he had sex with her. He got her pregnant, then killed her husband. You know, we are so down on murderers here. And, and, and we praise David. Well, David got out of it, but he murdered. We're so, you know, been out of shape if somebody get pregnant outside of marriage. David got her pregnant outside of marriage. He wasn't married to her. 
killed her husband, then took her as a wife, but all of these things. But when we went over to Psalms, we saw a repented man. We're not going to go to it, but we saw David. He began to call upon the name of the Lord. He began to shout out. He's like, God, cleanse me with a hyssop. Wash me white as snow. I've sinned against you, Lord, and you only, Lord God. All my inward parts are all messed up, God. And, you know, from my mother's womb, I came out just full of sin. And God, just, just, just don't pass me by. Do something to help me get. And I promise you, if you will clean me from this thing that I've done, because remember, Nathan had to come and just charge him. God will always send authority to come and charge you up. And you, and you, be, you know, being uneducated by the things of God, you think it's the person. But God is going to always send authority to let you know what you need to do and what you need to move and do right now. And so Nathan came and charged him up and talked about And I love the way Nathan, you know, drug him in. Gods know how to be wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. He's like, what if a man that had all the women that, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what he said. He said, now what if a man, just talking, you know, the prophet comes to talk to the king. But what, now what if a man had all of the women that he could have and want? And this one man was married to a woman, just had the one wife. And this one man could have any and how many he want to. And supposing that man that could have any, if he went in and took that one man's wife from him and murdered him, he said, King David, what should be done of that man? See, that's, that's wise. Because, see, a lot of times when we're in sin, we don't see it. When he was telling him that, David did not see he was talking about him. He was like, what? This is my kingdom. I know this ain't happening in my kingdom. This is what you do. They need to be there. He need to be this. He need to be that. He need to be taken. He, need to be... he said, you're the man. David was pricked at the heart. Because he began to see, I am that man. Now see, most of us, the, the authority come and try to tell you what thus saith the Lord or what they see. You get mad. David didn't get mad. David got sad. You know why? Because David had a relationship with God. So you can have a relationship with God and get all out of purpose. And he began, and you need to go back and read it in Psalms, and he cried out to the Lord. And he did a whole prayer. And then when you hear his prayer, go back to Psalms 61, read it all. When you hear his prayer, you hear him crying out to God, then you'll understand why God said, David, you're a man after my own heart. Because God recognized you're in that skin, but you're calling out from the heart. Because remember, God just doesn't listen to words. He checks the heart. So he saw David's heart in the issue, not just words. See, we can, we can get that prayer and we just start quoting it. But God is not listening to a bunch of quotes or God listening to a bunch of words. What God is listening to is the heart. That's why he could say, you're a man after my own heart, because this prayer you meant. Come and find out that God took care of him on that. Amen. 
And so we, one of the things in that scripture we found out that we must ask for forgiveness, not from people. He, David didn't go to Bathsheba and say, listen, I'm sorry. Yes, I did kill you, get your husband killed. I, 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 yes, yes, I came and laid with you. See, and then, and this wasn't like, you know, well, why did she even go in there? She didn't even have to go in there. Well, see, that's because you don't understand a monarch. You don't understand the kingdom. When the, when the king called for you, you coming. There's no, well, tell him to wait. Oh, I'm not coming. I'm waiting for my husband to come home. I'm not coming. You don't do any of that. Not when the king reigns. If he comes and he tells you to lay down, you come and guess what you do? Lay down, whether you like it or not. But notice he didn't go to that chief and say, listen, I was wrong for that. I was, I was just, I was, I was, no, he went to God and said, I sinned against you and you only. Because I belong to you. And I've done this great evil in your sight. And he began to call it. And that's what we don't do. We, we do all kind of wrongs. And you think, you think it's hurting the person or the person in authority that has tried to get you to correct it, tried to get you to get it right. But it's not that person. You are dealing with God and God alone. And I don't know how many times our ministry have told you, you are not dealing with flesh and blood. You're not dealing with, when someone's in authority, you're not dealing with that person. That's why you better be very careful. Very, very careful. And see, some of you think you've gotten away with it. Well, you can feel a little of it, but that ain't the worst that's coming. Because let me tell you, but let me tell you, David thought he got away with it too. And after he repented, he thought everything was cool too, but God said, now that's fine, and I forgive you, but no, war will never leave your home. And it never did. For that one sin, David's one son raped the daughter, his daughter, his own sister. His other son took all his concubines and wives, slept with them on the roof, and let all Israel see him. They, I mean, many things came from that. He had to see his son Absalom killed. See, we think, see, now, now remember, he did this years and years and years ago. When Absalom was a kid, he was a grown man. But all of this stemmed back there. See, we think, because nothing happens right then, you're clear. But if you're a believer, and you've asked God for forgiveness, God has forgiven you, then, then, when things happen, and they will, because of the sin, what you grab a hold to is Psalms 91, where you say, God, you'll be with me in trouble. I brought this trouble on. And you said, you'll deliver me and set me on high. God, I know all of this that I see. See, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till your children get to be adults. It's going to say, remember, woohoo, here I am. That's what happened to David. The man that was after God's own heart. The man that God forgave. Because what? The consequence of the sin is wrapped up in the sin. It's not like God said, okay, now it's your turn. Now you've got to pay for that. No, it's wrapped up in the sin. But I've got to move on because we talked about that at length and we're not going to do that. We said that when you sin, it creates space between you and God. And you don't want that. 
And then we said, to press toward the mark, you must repent. And it simply means to turn around. i got to turn around. I have to repent and turn around. It means to have a change of heart and mind. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to do something. I've seen people, they be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do good now. I'm going to change. You can't. You have to have a change of heart and mind. Are you with me? You have to have, it means to have regret and remorse. Do you have regret and remorse for what you've done? And then you have to allow yourself to see the light of truth in what you have done. Like, let me see, this is what I've done, and yes, I'm in trouble. You ask for forgiveness from God. You don't have to, before you go to anyone else, if God have you to go to anyone else, first you must first repent before God. And say, God, I'm, I, just help me in this. I was wrong. And I'm, and I'm saying I'm wrong. Most people, they sin. Ooh, I like that this morning in family life. I want to c- come run up on that stage and just go on, I mean, this platform and just, just say, you know what, listen, you know, wish we had more time. Cause I'm telling you, if, because everything is lovely and you feel like everything is hunky dory, honey, mm-mm. Mm-mm. You better listen to this. All of you that are planning on getting married, you better listen to what was said this morning. That was rich. It'll help you. But I know everybody's situation is different. If I can count on my fingers. No, if I could just have a quarter for everybody that think their situation is different from everybody else, I'd probably be rich. Your situation, know this, your situation is no different from anybody else's. Period. See, I knew she was going to throw shade. Well, it's been pretty hot. You need a little shade. Your situation is no different from anyone else's. And when authority tries to tell you your situation is not different, you had better take heed. If authority have told you that, I don't care what you do to try to make it work. It will not. Just a matter of time. It's never failed. And what do we always say? Try to prove God a liar. You can't. Many have tried. Many have failed. Amen. And then we said you have to acknowledge your sin and acknowledging your sin to God. You got to say, I did this. Not give me all of this run around about why you did it and what they did. No, no, I don't want to hear that. Well, I only did that because when they say that, they haven't repented. I wouldn't have never done that if no, no, acknowledge your sin. Just say I did it and I was all wrong. God, let me tell you, whenever you ask somebody to why you sin, you have not repented. And then I told you to understand that you have a perfect God who's working with the imperfect you. You are imperfect. I don't care how I don't care how that big lie somebody's telling you. You just so perfect. Until you wake up to him in the morning, you'd be like, "No, you ain't that perfect." Scoot over. You know that that little puppy love. You perfect. You just so perfect. You so, oh, you just perfect. Usually when stupid people do that, they fall away from God. Because he's the only one perfect. 
If she say stupid to you, I'm going on. I ain't streaming that. Well, you stupid. If that's all you, if that's all it takes for you to move away from a stream. But but you know what? Let me tell you. What did our pastor used to say? Throw a rock in a pack of dogs. The only one that hollers, the one that's hit. Ow! 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 Yeah. Do I hear that in here? <laughs> then you have to accept accept responsibility for your actions. Stop blaming it on people. Accept responsibility. They were your actions and yours alone. Amen. When we press toward the mark, you have to be in right standing with God. Get yourself in right standing. Get back where you need to be with God. Amen. And listen, always understand, always understand, this is the truth of the matter. I understand this and know that I am imperfect. And God knows this. Are you with me? Then we said, you must purge yourself. And that means that, you know, what did David say? Purge me with a hyssop. Wash me white as snow. And I will be clean. But I need purging. And, you know, and that's taking a deep look in your heart, you know. And, and thank God the Holy Spirit will help you to purge things that are wrong on the inside of you. Amen. And then I think, uh, no, I think we still did this one. I think the last time we talked about pressing toward the mark, uh, we have to draw near to God. Did we talk about that one on last time or do you all remember? We did? Okay. That's for those that really know, okay? And then I told you that when you draw near to God, you have to understand that uh, when, you, when you're trying to run from God, that's contrary, you know, that, that's contrary to drawing near. We as human beings have an inclination to run away. That's why you don't have come to church. You want to run away. And we saw that. I mean, it's always a runaway. We got that from our Father, Adam, we, we always want to run away and we want to hide. Ooh, I ain't never seen nobody. Let me tell you, now believers, they can hide. They can hide in here. I love people that hide in here. They sit behind, right behind somebody so they can peek through the, a little bit and get back. In. Just it, It's an inclination to hide. And you'll be like, oh, it's somebody down there because they be, you know, you, you see them and they peep out and they get back behind them like, but it's an inclination. It's the thing that we got from our father. DNA. Didn't ask for it, okay? But you got it. Just like, I'm, I'm just going to hide. I don't want to come to church. That's why after this pandemic, people don't want to come back to church. It's not so much that coming to church, because we're not here long enough. You're at home more than that. It's because of sin in their life. I'm going to tell you that. And again, we're not talking about the, the big sin and, and all the no. Just the little things that... You think don't mean anything, but it's against the will of God. Amen. So, you know, people don't want to come back to church and they want to. But that's okay. We'll wait on you. Amen. And then I think this is where we left out. Uh, write it down. If I'm going to press toward the mark, I have to go back to the original instructions. I don't think we did that one, but if so, we're going to start there. I got to go back to the original instructions. Simply put, I have to obey because God's instructions 
have not changed. God's instructions will never change. That's why don't come up to me telling me what God told you against the instructions that he's already given you. That's not hard work. God only adds on to his instructions. It's never oops with God. Like, okay, I gave you those instructions, but now I have to change them. Why would he have to change them? The only way he'd have to change them, he'd have to be human. Because once God lay it out, there's no mistake. That's why if God tells you to do something, I don't care if you get laid off. I don't care if the dog died, the cat peed on the rug, whatever. You still got to stay with that. Because God is not changing. Because don't you think and don't you know God knows everything that was going on? And that will go on? And when he gave you the instruction, he knew you were going to get laid off? Sometimes God tests us right where we are just with little things like that. And say, let me see, can you, can, can you adjust everything but me? Because we always, that's the first one we go to. If something happens in our life that alters our finances or alters any part of our life, the first place we go to take away from is God. Not ourselves. I'm not messing up my budget. But I can take it here. I can take it there. And then we use it for this. Well, because I don't need to give nothing to the church because, look, look what she's driving. Look what she got. What does that have to do with you? Well, well, all you have to do to find out that it don't have to do with you, know how much you give and ask yourself, can it pay a car payment? You're like, well, yeah, mine. But probably not mine. But, but see, that, but that's the first place you're going to go. But that's in any area, not just monetary, any area. The first place I'm going to go when something changes in my life is what can I take away from God? Now, let me alter his original instruction. I know God said this, but now that this happened, I know God, God, what do I do now? God said, what do you mean, what do you do now? You do the same thing that I told you before this happened. Because why? I don't make no mistakes. It ain't like, oh, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen, so let me change it up a little. No, you're changing it up. You might put God's name on it, but that don't mean God is in it. Original instructions. Write that in all caps. God stays with his original instructions at all times. Are you with me? And you know what? And, and getting back to his original instruction, it may cause you to have additional work to do. You may have to clean up some things because you've gotten off track. To do the original instruction, you've got to go back to right there and you've got to clean up some things. You've got to get back to the original instruction because God's original instruction did not and do not ever change. Then letter D, I... Uh, I must become a servant of righteousness. If I'm going to press forward, I must become a servant of righteousness. A servant of righteousness helps to resist the adversary and keeps us in right standing with God. It helps us to press closer towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. It helps us that way. When you start walking in righteousness, it helps you get where you need to be. You know, people make mistakes, and I've learned this from my founding pastor, and I'm saying it now. When people make mistakes, 
you know, sometimes you have to sit down and you have to learn. But sometimes you have to sit down for a certain little time, but you got to get up. You got to get, get involved. Put your, you got to put your hands on something. You got to put your hands on something. At some point, your way back is to get your hands involved in a righteous work. That's how I become righteous. Now, if you will, go to Second Samuel chapter 12. And I think, just hearing that, I think we covered that last week, but that's okay. That was good to hear. Second Samuel chapter 12. Go there for me. Let's push forward. To press toward the mark, you have to repent. You have to be in right standing with God. And thirdly, you have to rebuild. Write it down. You have to rebuild. One thing you have to understand, when you rebuild, you have to rebuild damaged relationships. See, when you're off the path of God, there's relationships that have been damaged. So you've got to rebuild. When you miss God, it damages relationships. In order to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, not only do I have to obey the original instruction but, uh, of God, but I must rebuild. And there's four relationships that you have to rebuild after you've missed God. And let me give them to you. First of all, I have to rebuild, rebuild my relationship first and foremost with God. Because when you are off-centered, you have, you have damaged your relationship with God. You have caused a breach or a gap between you and your heavenly Father. Know that. I don't care how many times you come into a building. People tickle me, you know, I'm going to church, so that means something. How many, do you know how many people go to church and they're in sin? <laughs> they think because they come into a building, I can't, I'm not in sin. The only people that look at that like that are immature people. So you must rebuild your relationship. First and foremost with God. The rebuilding that trust. Trusting relationship that you had. Listen. You have not been able to trust God simply because you have not been able to trust you. And God haven't been able to trust you. God has not been able to trust you. You can't even trust you. Let it be. I have to rebuild my relationship with the church. Pastor, what do you mean? Listen. This that I'm teaching is not a message for sinners. This is a message for the believers. When we miss God and sin, it damages your relationship you have with the church. See, a lot of times people think, like when people leave the church or whatever, and they like, you know, you can't be mad. Nobody's mad, but it damages a relationship. I don't care how much you see a, a person. Because guess what? When you were all at the fellowship together, that's what you fellowshiped around. And once they leave, you don't, you know, it's kind of awkward. Because what y'all used to fellowship behind is like, you'll find yourself distancing. For example, I can I, I prove it out to you. A lot of people that we know that have been going to this church for a while, all of a sudden you're forgetting about them. 
or you've forgotten about them. And you say, oh, yeah, well, I haven't seen them in there. Because uh, out of sight, out of mind. You, once, it's a distance. It's a damaged relationship. Not because you left. It's because our communication now is just all because what we used to communicate with is just, you know, y'all just chopping at words. Most of the time you're sitting up talking off the side of your neck, both, both people, because it's just awkward now. It is what it is. And sometimes, sometimes you have to break fellowship for the simple fact, and especially if you're not mature enough to handle it. Everybody's not mature enough to handle being around someone maybe that have left the church. And let me tell you, they can get in your head. Now, anytime they can get in your head, you're just as immature as, as, as them. And sometimes you have to space yourself. But then sometimes, I'm telling you, you don't even have to worry about it. It'll space itself. I promise you that. Because it's a damaged relationship with the church. When you're rebuilding, you got to go back to that and you got to rebuild with the church. Are you following me? Now, people don't believe that, but it is so. You have to rebuild with the church. People don't be like, well, what does that have to do? It has everything to do. Because I'm not talking about a church building. I'm talking about the people. The people are the church. Are, are, are you with me? So you have to go back. I think I've moved my page too fast. But you have to go back and you've got to rebuild. Listen, this is, again, this is not a message for sinners. I'm talking about those that are in the church. You have to rebuild the joy of your salvation. Because I'm going to tell you, joy will leave you. You have to rebuild worship. You have to rebuild that relationship. You have to get back into your position Back into a position where you were. That's the only way God is going to use you in ministry. Then you have to rebuild your relationship with others. Now some relationships, listen, when, with, with, with others cannot be rebuilt. Some relationships will never be rebuilt. And I've said that time and time again. But you still have to put in an effort to rebuild the relationship that I can't, that you can Try to rebuild the relationship. You have to do that. God requires you of that. Some will never be rebuilt. But those that can, God expects you to put in the effort to build it. Rebuild it. Are you, are you following me? See, when David sinned with Bathsheba, and they conceived a child, you know they had a child, and the child died. That's another part of the sin. As an infant... And as a result of that, his father understood he had to rebuild a relationship. But David, listen, David had to first, after he rebuilt his relationship with God, he went to Bathsheba and started comforting her. She lost her son. He went to her and he comforted her. But not only did he have to do that, you know, uh, not only did he have to do that, with her, after he comforted her, God gave him another son, and his name was Solomon. But he had to first, he had to go back and rebuild that. You have to rebuild a relationship with authority. Well, no. I'm showing you how it works. You have to rebuild a relationship with authority. Because oftentimes, when you sin and you miss the mark, and you stray from the path of righteousness, there was someone 
in authority who either tried to warn you, tried to stop you, and who later tried to correct you. But again, when you are on the path of unrighteousness or off the path of righteousness, there's almost always, almost always, actually I could just thought of almost all, there's always someone in authority that tried to warn you. Always. Someone that tried to stop you. You know, it never ceased to amaze me, especially about young people. <laughs> especially young people, you know, in their, their marriage state. How they can listen to the, wo- the woman or the man over God's authority. Me, that's a person that's worshiping the person, no longer worshiping God. If a woman can get that get that deep in your head, or a man can get that deep in your head that you can no longer be spiritual, your worship of God is zilt. I don't care how much church you go to, but you have to have to reveal with authority. Because somebody was there that tried to warn you. Now, when you read Second Samuel chapter 12, and, and, and you get past the account of what has happened, and what the action that David started, and I, I, I don't want to go through and read it because I have to get somewhere, but I want you to read it when you get home. You'll notice that he restored his relationship with God. I want you to read that. I, I, I was going to go through it, but I, I'm, I'm moving. He restored his worship. David restored his fasting and praying. He restored his relationship with, quote unquote, the church. He got back, you know, he went back to the house of the Lord. He went back to Bethel. He went back to the house of the Lord. He restored his relationship with others, the people, everybody that was up under his leadership. And he went to Bathsheba and he comforted her. Even though he caused her pain. It's painful when you lose a child. He went back and comforted her in a painful situation. And then he even went back and restored his relationship with Nathan. He restored it so much that Nathan came and named Solomon. Now, and that was symbolic of something. When he went back and restored his relationship with Nathan, and Nathan came and named his son Solomon, that was symbolic to David saying, I'm back under priestly authority. See, because he would listen to the prophet. See, people are listening to the prophet when they're spiritual. But once they get off the path of righteousness, you're not listening to authority. But that was a sign when, when Nathan came to name Solomon, he said, I'm back under priestly authority. He was able to hear. I'm back up under the priestly authority that's corrected me from the beginning. If you're going to press toward the mark when you miss God, and we all have missed God, and we all have the potential to miss him again, When you miss God, repent. 
Once you repent, you have to get back into right standing. Once you get back in right standing, then you have to go back to those original instructions. Once you get back with God and you have to rebuild, and rebuilding is a process. You rebuild your relationship with God, church, and authority. Amen. Now, let's move forward in looking at how do I press toward the mark from a stagnant place? Go with me, if you will, to Ephesians, right where I need to be. Right where I need to go. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 and rest there for me. Now, I want you to understand what I mean when I say stagnant place. Everybody say stagnant place. How do I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling when I'm in a stagnant place? Don't think that you're not. Wait till you hear the message because you'll be like, well, I know I'm not in a stagnant place. Hold up. You will see. Now, I want you to understand what I mean when I say a stagnant place. A stagnant place is a state of life where we have stopped developing. A stagnant place is a state where you stop developing, meaning there's no growth and there is no development in our lives. Have you ever went back to your hometown and you met some friends that you went to school with and y'all start laughing and talking? And then y'all start talking about people that you knew and what they're doing. And you find out some of them are doing some of the same thing you did and you've been gone 50 years. I dated myself. Maybe yours has been 20 years. But you find, you'd be like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. And, and, you know, you're laughing. Every, you're like, what? I know, I know better. Well, those people are in a stagnant place. Are you with me? Life church is about growth and development. But sometimes we can get caught up. In a stagnant place. It's easy to get caught up in a stagnant place. It's where there's really no growth or development. Actually, a stagnant place is a place of inactivity. Now, see, a lot of times people think the inactivity that I mean working and doing something in the church. But that's not what I'm talking about. Stay with me. Because, see, we'll be like, well, I sing in the choir. No, 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 no. I'll say it again and just follow, just follow suit. A stagnant place is a place of inactivity. To put in common language, it means you're really not doing anything. It has nothing to do with what you're doing in church. You, re- you might be in the choir. You might be an usher. You might be, but you're really not doing anything. Are you with me? Oh, you may go to work and you you know, going through the motions of different things, but you're really not doing anything really to live a productive life. You're really not. Listen. You're really not doing anything to raise your productivity uh, for others. Your life is not showing where others can, can raise their productivity because of the way you're living. That means you're not doing anything. Stay with me. Stay close. You're not really following on the instructions of God. We're talking about a stagnant place. 
See, if God has given you instructions and you haven't followed them, you're in a stagnant place. If God has given you instructions and you have not followed them, you are in a stagnant place. Are you with me? Now, don't get excited about my voice. I said like one of them is, I'm not fussing, but I'm trying to make a point. And that's how I make a point. So you're not really doing anything to make or to leave a deposit in the earth for the next generation. Thirdly, a stagnant place is a state of decline. Being in a stagnant... Ooh, y'all better write this down. Being in a stagnant place is a place of decline. Mm. I'm going to slow it down because I want you to get this. It's being in a state of the state of decline. When I'm in a stagnant place, I am in a state of decline. Because the reality is, life is like going uh, up the down escalator. The escalator is going down and you're going up. That's what life is like when you're in a stagnant place. It's like going up on a down escalator. And if you're not making progress, steps and strides to go forward. See, a lot of times people think that if I'm not going forward, I'm not doing it. No, no, no. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. That's a stagnant state. If you're not going forward, listen to me. God said, tell them they're going backwards. Oh, you're going backwards. I don't care. No, that means, no. When you're in a stagnant place, it is a place there is inactivity. Why? Because there's no growth and development. You're just simply in a state of decline and you don't even see it or know it. You know why you can't see it or know it? Because when you decline, it's slow and very subtle. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Decline is very slow and subtle. See, you can't see it. And you may not even recognize, but all the time it's happening. Did you hear me? All the time it's happening. You don't see it. You don't feel it. It's something like, have you all, they have it in Dallas, they have it in San Antonio, in the tower, you know, where you can go in a restaurant and sit there, and it's moving, but it's so slow. You, the only way you know you're moving is when you look up and see that you're in another, you see another scenery. It's the rotating deal at the restaurant. You can just rotate while you're eating dinner, but it's so slow, the only way that you know it is when you look out and say, oh, we're on the other side. I can see this, or I can see that, we once seen that, but you never felt it move. That's how declining is. It's happening all along, but you don't see it, because it's slow, and it's very subtle. Mm. You better get it. When you are in a stagnant place, the quality and the character of your life is in trouble. It can be spiritually. 
It can be naturally. It can even be financially. All of it is in a slow state of decline. Let me give you an example. If you were in your 20s and you didn't have any savings, wasn't thinking about, you know, retirement or anything like that, that's one thing. But if you look up one day and you're 55, and you have about as much in your bank account that you had when you were 20, you're in a state of decline. Did you hear me? 30 years later, after 20, you know, I'm 50 now or whatever, and your financial state still looks like the same that it was when you were 20. That's more than just being stagnant. You are in decline. I'm trying to teach you something this morning. See, you should be in a better position. So if I had $500 in my bank account at at 20, and at 55 I got just 500 again, you are in decline. Don't fight God on this. He's telling you. Not only are you in a stagnant place, but you are in decline. Because it's a totally different thing from 20, 30, 40, and 50. Now, it may look the same to you, but actually, you are in a declining position. Because don't you know you're worse off at 50 or 55 than you are at 20? Even though the finances may look the same, there's a difference. Because, see, everything is remaining the same, but time is progressing. And you don't get it. Oh, well, I got no, 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 time is progressing. You're actually in a state of decline. Now, to be in a stagnant place, it is a state of being dull of hearing and dull of thinking. Mm. Young people, young adults. I'm not talking about teen. Well, I'm talking about teenagers too, but you young adults. Don't be dull of hearing and dull of thinking. When I'm in a stagnant place, my hearing has become dull. And you can always tell when your hearing has become dull because when people try to point things out to you or you hear things being taught or you start to see things in your life, this is the first thing you know you're in decline. Somebody's trying to sit down with authority to tell you this, that, and other. You say, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know that. I back off from people like that that say they don't know. You know what? I end everything that I'm doing because from that state on, they're dull of hearing. They're not going to hear anything you, you have to say. They're not. Yeah, I know I need to make a change, but you know what? Yeah, I prayed. I love, and I love when 20-year-olds tell me they prayed. 
God said, the next time somebody of 20, 20 anything come up to you and say how much they prayed, tell them, tell me what you prayed. All of a sudden you can pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be when that's, his, that's the myth of your prayer. Ain't never known how to pray. Never known how to reach God. Well, because if you did, you wouldn't be in that stagnant state. And if you're 20-something, you barely just became adult. You're still learning how to pray. But when you want to do your own thing, you will say, God, I prayed. And please, let's not even talk about fasting. You miss lunch, I fast. Ate the biggest breakfast you could eat to stay full so you can go through lunch and you fasted. Get her life. See, a lot, a lot of these ministers up here, the ministers that come up here, and, and I love all our ministers. I'm telling you, they're blessing in my life. But sometimes they can go easy on you. I'm not the one. I'm your pastor. I'm going to tell it like it is. You know, they used to always say that about Pastor Sister Hill. <laughs> and the, the band-aids off, and Pastor Hill come back and bandage you up, give you a little truth, try to help you through. But she tore that thing off without you. You know how you look that way. <laughs> That's what you want to do. But you know what? Your life is too important for me to play with. It's too important for me to act a fool with and try to, you know, pussyfoot around with you and there, there, there. Oh, no. That's your problem. That's why you're in a stagnant state. But all I need to know is one thing. You're not willing to hear. Don't you? Let me tell you, I ain't never ran after nobody. I ain't ran after a man. I ain't ran after a woman. I ain't ran after nothing. And I won't run after you. All I need to know is you don't want it. And I won't come your way. Not with the revelation I have. And you might can get it from the other ministers here. Because they're powerful. But I won't come your way. Because I've already read you. You don't want it. And I'm not about to play no games with you. Amen? Everybody say amen. It's okay. Y'all like, I'm glad my mouth is under here because I just want to... Yeah, well, yeah. Understood. But still, you're dull of hearing. Amen. You need to make a change, but you don't want to. You'll say you need to make one. You'll say you need to do better. Yeah, but I want to do this... And, and I, now I love this saying, especially somebody trying to play mature. I'm doing this for me. Well, where is God? What if God said, I don't want you doing that for me. Where does God don't have nothing to do with it? This is me. This is my life, God. And God said, have a good life. I, yeah, I know I need to address that and I know that that's a problem, but where you've become dull of hearing... Because if you knew what you say you know, why aren't you doing something about it? But you become dull of thinking as well. In other words, uh, 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 kind, it's kind of a situation where you're just stuck in the same pattern. Just stuck in the same pattern of thoughts. 
the same pattern of thoughts over and over and over again. Don't ever get stuck in the same pattern of thought over and over again. If you do, you are in a stagnant place. Bottom line, a stagnant place is a state in life where I'm not moving forward. I'm not pressing forward. I'm not pressing toward the mark. Because you know the life is the you know what life is life is the ability to grow to grow and to change to develop that's what life is when you have a life and you have the ability to grow the ability to change and you have the ability to develop then you're moving but if you don't when you're in a stagnant place, you, you know, you, you, you do not have the life that Jesus promised. You do not have the... See, this is, this is the big thing that the enemy does to get you to think that you're where you need to be. And that you're pressing forward. You buy a house. I'm advancing. You buy a car. I'm really advancing. You get a new job. I laugh at these youngsters getting new jobs and they pay them a little money. They think they sharp stuff. Hmm. But you think you're advancing with all these little things that, which has nothing to do. Where are you spiritually? See, the world might look at you and say, oh, look at them. They really doing it. They really doing it. They got this. They Let me tell you, when you get a house, and you get a car, and you get all of those things, guess what they call obligations? Unless you can pay for it in cash. I don't tell nobody to go and buy a car and have a car payment. God bless you. You have to tell me that God gave me this 2022, and I haven't paid a dime on it, and I don't have to pay a dime on it. It's mine free and cover. You know what I'm going to say? Hallelujah, you are blessed. But going and buy a car, and you to set up car payments, anybody can do that. Any sinner can do that. That ain't nothing. I got this. <laughs> it's busting your paycheck every time you get it. You're blessed when there's nothing attached to it. And I very seldom see people that have that kind of blessing. They're always saying how blessed they are with a bill. Look what God blessed me with. <laughs> and I'll be thinking to myself, you dummy. You are dumb. If you think it's a blessing. You're not dumb if you get a car. Just get a car. You know, you need a good running car. You need to go to work. You broke. Get go to work. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you think it's a blessing. Yeah, that ain't a blessing. Unless somebody ride up and put those keys in your hands and say, insurance is paid up for 20 years. However long you want the car. You have no car payment. And guess what? It's not used. It got like 0 0.3 miles on it. That's new. Then you can say, boy, have I been blessed. But you get a car with 0 0.3 miles on it. And they jingle the keys at the desk. And they have you sign your life away. That's not a blessing. That's an obligation. 
And all of us have to ma- have made it, just as long as you just know it ain't a blessing. So you can stop getting excited and you see people with new cars. I like to see people with new cars and say, oh, they got another bill. That's what I say. So you know how I feel. But I be saying, oh, that car is sharp. I'm thinking in my head, you got a bill. You know why? Because they're not telling me. Look, because you're going to testify if somebody give you a car. Like, you're going to testify. You know, you're going to act like you in Church of God in Christ. <laughs> yeah, you're so jumping up. I got this car. Yeah, you, 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 you go all the way in it. I mean, you, I mean, you ain't never danced for the Lord. Let somebody give you a free car. Uh, I mean, you, you get down so hard. I mean, we'd have to throw you down to quit you, keep, keep you from testifying. So when you say you got a new car, you ain't testified or danced, you got a bill. Amen. But people think that's moving forward. Look what we've done. Look what we have. Look what we have. Honey, that's busting your check wide open. Hmm. State where you're not moving forward. You got to grow. You got to develop. Now, when you're in a stagnant place, you don't have the life that God promised you. You don't. You don't. And you could be in a stagnant state for many reasons. Sometimes you're in a stagnant place because of things from your whole life that you've not moved away from. Sometimes you're in a stagnant place because you've suffered loss. I've been there. I've been in a stagnant place. But I had to get up. See, I don't ride around looking for different churches to go to and look at. See, to me, when you start doing all that kind of stuff, you're looking for a wife or a husband. They're like, "What did God tell them? What? What?" Now, see, see, you need to you need to settle down. Now, I'm gonna say this, and I don't mean anything by it, but I want you to I want you to know. I see, brother, men. I'm a brother Allen back there. I'm brother Kelly right there. I'm here to tell you so it'll strengthen you. If the shoes were on the other feet and you were gone and your wives was here, your wives would be here. They would be here without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. They would be. I know that. They would be here today. And they would be diligent. And that's what they expect of you. They're on the other side expecting that of you because one day you're going to meet them again. Without a shadow of a doubt, I know it. If I was gone, my husband would be up here doing what I'm doing. Yes, he would hurt. And yes, he would spend many days crying in his room. But he would be back here. You have to. You got to press. When you don't want to, you got to press. That's when you press the most. When you don't want to. And you don't feel I got to press. It's easy. It's easy to get in a stagnant place. It's slow and subtle. You don't see it. 
You don't feel it. It doesn't work like that. It's just slow and steady. Some people have been in the second state for years. And they just find it out today. I'm in a stagnant place. Because it's slow. And it's subtle. Very subtle. Listen to me. Whatever reason, because loss will get you in a stagnant place. You've got to recognize it. You've got to recognize it. It will get you in a stagnant place. Disappointments. Maybe disappointments have gotten you. And then since that disappointment that got you in a stagnant place, you've stacked up other disappointments. And you've not been able to rise, uh, uh, rise above these things. We can be in a stagnant place because we've experienced all of the above that I just said. Or you can just be stuck. Just be stuck. All of the things that we've learned in our earlier teachings, all of them, can put us in a stagnant place. And I purposely lined them up the way I did from your old self for a reason. Because every one of those things that we've talked about up to this point can put you in a stagnant state. Did you hear me? Not only can those things put you in a stagnant state, but just it might just be something else. It's just in a stagnant place. And some of you have been in a stagnant place in your life for so long, in some area of your life, so long that you can't really go back and tell when you actually stop moving. You, you, you can't even remember when did I actually really stop moving. You can't even remember. See, it might not be because of the loss. It might not be because of the disappointments that I was talking about. Might not be because your old life. Might be something else. You just don't really know when did it actually start happening. When did I stop growing? When did I stop developing? And some of you have been in a stagnant state so long, you stop trying to figure out why you're there. You know, you, you know it's something, you don't really call it a stagnant place. You'd be like, why? Why can't I go on? Why? It's a stagnant place. And you just can't figure out why. And then you try to justify why you're not moving on. Why am I not moving on? Oh, well, you know, I'm still going through, you know, where I'm, you start justifying it. Instead of going back and saying, why did I get stuck? Why? What have caused me to get stuck? How come I'm not pressing like I should? Oh, everybody want to blame the pandemic. Why? We can come up with all kinds of excuses. 
you know, it's, it's hard to change. It's, you know, it's difficult to do this or that. And you know what, I'm not really sure if I do that, will I really be in the will of God? And what does God think about it? You know, what's going to happen if I do that? In other words, instead of trying to get to the root of the problem, you just make justifications for the state that you're in. I really don't know. When you're in a stagnant place, please and please listen to this one. When you're in a stagnant state, it's because we did not keep moving and we did not move at an appointed time. I'll say it again. Listen to it closely. When you are in a stagnant state, it is because we did not keep moving and we did not move at an appointed time. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, it says, To every time there's a season and a purpose under heaven. It goes through a list of things that I keep not going through all of them, but it says it's a time to be born and it's a time to die. It says it's a time to plant and it's a time to sow. It's a time to pluck up that which is planted. It's timing and season. Says it's a time to mourn. And then there'll come a time to laugh. It's a time to dance. Under the sun, it's always a season of it. And what the Bible is teaching us from that wisdom is this that there is always a time to do something. And you have to do it, and it has to be done. In that time. And after that, you have to move on to the next. I hope you got that. Go back and read Ecclesiastes 3 on all the different times. Know every one of those times will be in your life. And at that time, you must move at that time. You can't move outside of that time. When it's a time to heal, that's when you're being healed. When it's a time to pluck up that which is planted, it's time then. You can't, you're not waiting. It's always a season in your life. That's the wisdom of Ecclesiastes 3, that there is always a season in your Every one of us in here is in a season. That's why you need to go back and read and see what season you're in. Because in that season, you must move and get ready for the next. And get ready for the next. It's time to move on. And then we get stuck when we get caught in a place and we don't get, we don't start moving. You can get caught in the place. You know, you can be stuck in a place and you think, listen, and you think it's enjoyable. And you don't really know that it's a place of decline. Did you hear me? You can get caught in a place that's enjoyable, but you're really on the decline. See, because a lot of times on the decline, it's not something that you're going to readily see. Or I know I'm not out of time, but I am. But it's not something that you're going to readily see. 
Listen. You can be in a place that you enjoy and be on the decline. Now let's read this scripture, Ephesians 5, before we close. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there because it is what it is. But are you in Ephesians chapter, what did I say? Chapter 5. Beginning at verse 14. Wherefore he said, Awake! Thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See you then, and I love this, see you then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, I love this scripture. I love this scripture. You know why? Because it is clear instructions. Look at verse 14. Wake, awake thou that sleepest. Clear instructions. The word sleep there literally means dull. That you are dull. You are in a stagnant place. Wake up. You're in a non-responsive place. When you are asleep, you're in a non-responsive place. And I like what it says. It says, arise from the dead. In other words, Paul is not talking about literal death. He's saying, you are in a dead state. You're in a state where you're not moving. You're not growing. You're not developing. And you think you have life, but you don't. And I like he said, see that you walk circumspectly and redeem the time. And so I have three simple points this morning. But I'm going to find, we're going to find those three points out next Sunday. Because I'm clearly out of time. I'm out of time. But God's not out of the Word. Three different points we're going to hit up on next week. We're going to find out about this stagnant place. But remember what he said. You go back and read that. The first thing he said is what? Wake up. You're in a non-responsive position in your life. You could be in a non-responsive position in your life with your eyes wide open. (laughs) Haven't I seen that over and over again? Wake up. We're going to see what Paul is talking about. When he said, wake up. He's going to break it down in each area of why you need to wake up. Stagnant place. Remember what I said. It's slow and it's subtle. Slow. You know, it's like barbecue and ribs. Slow and low. Slow.
slow and just let it sit there. Just let it sit there. And years will pass by. God is faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.